Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the Gospel of Luke chapter number 7. The Gospel of Luke chapter number 7, beginning at verse number 37. Amen. Luke chapter 7, beginning at 30, verse 37. And uh, while you're turning there, I want to say don't miss this Tuesday night by the help of the Lord. Um, we're going to talk about, teach on uh, prayer, about a structured prayer. Everybody say structured prayer. And if, you, if you've been here the last couple of midweeks, you know what I'm talking about, uh, where we are focusing on uh, not only just praying the heart prayer, but now taking prayer into our prayer closet or our private prayer life and being able to pray with the structure that will advance us to the throne of God. Amen. Every time we pray um, to, to where it, it doesn't feel like you're praying and the prayer's bumping the ceiling and coming down. And so I'm going to start, and uh, maybe we'll get it done. I want to talk on, on a series or on a lesson called Teach Us to Pray. And we're going to do that Tuesday night. So be here and be a part of that. Bring, bring your uh, pen and paper and take notes. And then we're going to practice it again. Amen. Praise God. Luke chapter 7 and verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. Everybody say a sinner. Say it again, a sinner. The only thing Luke, Dr. Luke wrote about her was that she was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet and anoint them with the ointment. Amen. I want to I read that again. It says that she began to wash his feet with tears. Everybody say, with tears. Say it again, with tears. She literally washed his feet with tears. And then she dried them or wiped them with the hairs of her head. She kissed his feet she anointed them with the ointment. Amen. I want to uh, preach this morning on this thought, a bottle of tears, a bottle of tears. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? I, I really feel the touch of God in this place. Just stretch those hands heavenward and help me pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word, for your presence. Lord, I pray that you would move in this place in a mighty, a mighty, mighty way. Lord, would you bring a breakthrough into somebody's life right now? Would you bring, God, I pray, a, a touch of healing into their spirit and into their soul? Lord, I'm praying right now that you would speak through me. 
I pray that it would not fall upon deaf ears or upon a stony heart, but Lord, I'm praying that it would find a root in somebody's life and then there be enough faith to respond to your word today because I believe this will be a transformative service for somebody in this place today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. And would you give the Lord some praise before you're seated? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, mighty God, we worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. You can be seated. A trapeze artist certainly understands the concept that I'm going to preach on this morning. Most of you have seen him at one time or another. He flies through the air with the greatest of ease. The daring young man on the flying trapeze. That man would understand this message this morning. For you see, that man, he swings. And as he swings from that bar, he knows that the only way to get to the other man that's swinging across from him is he has to first let go of the bar that he is holding on to. He'll never reach his destination. He'll never make a life-saving connection unless he keeps or lets go of what he has a hold of. Everything that he is trained for and lived for comes to this moment to where he will let go of what he has a hold of, release and get rid of the security that he has clutched in his palms and he reaches out to someone else that is reaching for him. He will never succeed in his goals if he clings to what is being held in his hand. He will never become what he seeks to become if he continues to hold on to the security that is in his hands. The only way to make the connection is to exercise enough faith to just let Yes, sometimes faith is holding on, but oftentimes faith is learning to let go. Let me say that again. Faith, yes, sometimes is holding on, but oftentimes the greatest of faith is learning when to let go. I'd like to tell somebody in that same vein this morning that Jesus Christ, our Savior, is prepared to catch you today. For he is the only avenue to eternal salvation. However intolerant that may be deemed by our current culture. Amen. Jesus is still the only way. And I stand firmly on the word of God. In John 14 and 6 when Jesus saith unto him. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. I've got to tell you today that through Jesus Christ, there is life. Through the power of the Holy Ghost, there is life. I've come to tell you this morning that you have access to Jesus. But to get access to him, you have got to put your full and complete trust into him. Somebody give him praise this morning. 
Come on, give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. You have to put your trust in him because your God is not a God of wood or stone or gold. He is not a mystic God made in a statue that you burn incense to, but he is an accessible God. He can be touched. He can be reached, but it's going to require the faith to let go of what you're holding on to if you're going to be able to touch him. You've got to have faith enough to let go of plan B. You've got to have faith enough to let go of self-rule. You've got to have faith enough to let go of your emotions. You've got to have faith enough to let go of your past. You've got to have faith enough to let go of your mistakes. You've got to have faith enough to let go of your hurts. You've got to have faith enough to let go of your pain. You've got to have faith enough to let go of your shame. You've got to have faith enough to let go of your sin. You've got to have enough faith to let go. But when you do that, when you do that, know this, that when you launch out there with a, if he doesn't catch me, I'm going to fall attitude. You are going to feel the strong hands of the Lord Jesus Christ grab a hold of you because he must be your only answer. I said he must be your only answer. You want to know why he needs to be your only answer? Because he is the only answer. And when Jesus is all that you have, Jesus is all that you'll ever need. Listen to me this morning. You can't make it on good intentions. I said you can't make it on good intentions. You can't reach heaven by being a good person. You can't make it to God with just having a good heart. That's not good enough. You can't fix your life through the self-help department at Barnes and Nobles or Amazon recommended reading list. No amount of counseling, no amount of therapy, no amount of chemicals or prescriptions, no amount of love from this world, no amount of sympathy from friends and family is going to save you. Jesus is your only answer. And when you realize that Jesus is all I have, then you will truly know Jesus is all that I'll ever need. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord here right now. I feel like somebody's ready to let go of the bar and say, God, whatever you have for me, I want it. I'm going to let go of my pain and heartache. I'm going to let go of my situation. I'm going to let go and fly into the hands of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and tell them, just let it go this morning. Now let me tell you a little bit about a tear bottle. There's a specific tear bottle and they're in use today. You can buy them on many sites online. They're simply called a tear bottle. They're a symbol of grief. Tears at the passing of a loved one who will be collected as tribute to show affection. They are ornate vessels that are crafted by a glass artist that cost anywhere between $100 and up, depending on how ornate you want them. 
They have quite a history. It's not a recent phenomenon. They have quite a history, and they have been found as far back as the ancient Egyptian tombs. People would collect their tears and bury the vessel with a loved one as a symbol of their love and respect. The place of this customary antiquity can be seen in the words of the psalmist. In Psalms chapter 56 and verse 8, predating the Egyptian times, when David would write of this and say, Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? In Europe, they made a resurgence during the Victorian period when tears would be collected in a vial with a a special stopper on top that would allow the tears to slowly evaporate over a period of time. Amen. And when they were gone, it showed that the mourning period for that lost loved one or that spouse was deemed over and they could remarry now and continue on with their life. Between those ancient days of Egypt and David in Judea and the modern Victoria era, tear bottles were also common in the Roman Empire. Professional mourners carried them and were sometimes paid in accordance to how full they could get that bottle. So while they were still used as a symbol of affection for the deceased, tear bottles took on a new meaning in those days. The more you could fill them up, amen, you could sell them because it it, it would show that there was great affection, amen, for that loved one. It, It was widely thought that one should accumulate tears throughout his or her life, especially in the Roman culture of which your text was read this morning, that the tears should accumulate through a bottle or bottles throughout one's life. And if an individual saved up enough tears, taught the Roman culture, if you had saved up enough tears, then safe passage to the afterlife was assured. In other words, your tears mark that your life had endured enough hardships and thus you were worthy of eternal life if you could fill up the bottle with enough tears from the pain and the sorrows that you have been through. Amen. People would would even give tears to someone they cared about to, to help them reach this mystical quota that they might pass over in to the afterlife. That vial of tears became like a ticket into the next world. It was somebody's eternal security. If I cried enough, certainly in the Roman culture the gods would favor me and take me into eternity with them because I had been through enough pain in my life. Now join me as we walk into the house of Simon the Pharisee in Judea. Jesus had been asked to partake of supper with this prestigious man. And Christ agreed to have this dinner. As he sat down for a meal, word gets out through the community that Jesus was in that house. I want to say something. What attracts people to a church should not be the programs or the building or the lighting or the sound or the music or even the preaching. But what ought to be the first attraction to people is that Jesus is in the house. 
I, I want you to hear me this morning. Amen. Because we'll try and we've done outreach and we'll continue to do outreach. But I'm going to tell you, the presentation you make to get somebody to church oftentimes, amen, tells them whether they want to come. Hey, come to our church. We're friendly. Well, every church in this city is friendly. Come to our church. We got good music. Now, other churches got good music, but ain't nobody got the anointed talent and gifting that we got at this church. I'll tell you hands down. Come to our church, our chairs are comfortable. Well, most churches got comfortable chairs. Come to our church, we're in a great location. A lot of churches are in great locations. But what if we flip the script back to how the early church sought to evangelize? And it was simply by saying, if you want to encounter the power, the presence, and the glory of the manifest God of eternity, you come to this house, you come to that service, and you're going to walk in a but you're going to leave free. You're going to come in broken, but you're going to leave healed. Hallelujah. How many scriptures do we read that when people found out where Jesus was, a man, they turned the city on its ear trying to find out how they could get to him. If we were truly able to convey to this wonderful city that the presence of Jesus Christ in a real way is in this place every service, we, would ha we wouldn't have any problem filling this place up ten times over on a Sunday. All we got to do is let them know, amen, Jesus. Jesus is in the house. And if you need a healing, that Jesus is in the house. If your marriage needs to be restored, that Jesus is in the house. If you need a breakthrough, that Jesus is in the house. And when the word got out that Jesus was in the house, a woman unnamed in the scriptures, unnamed in the scriptures, learns of it. And all that, all that Dr. Luke can write is that she was a sinner woman. She was a sinner woman. She was nothing special in the eyes of even this disciple. No one according, accorded her any significance at that moment. She was not ushered in to the head table. Indeed, she probably had to slip in when no one was watching and saw her. But she came into that house with an alabaster box and when this sinner lady walked into the room where Jesus Christ was, the Bible said she came behind him. And the Bible records something that had escaped me for many years. And it was simply this. The scripture says that she washed his feet with tears and dried them with her hair, kissed them, and anointed them. I had always assumed that she had simply wept at his feet. But let's be honest, no one could possibly produce enough tears in that amount of time to thoroughly wash someone's feet. The dust of his journey could not be cleansed from his feet by simply what dropped off of her chin at that moment. As a matter of fact, the Bible does not even say that she washed his feet with her tears. Read the verse again. And begin to wash his feet with tears. I'll tell you what I believe was going on here. I believe with all my heart that a sinner lady heard that Jesus was in that house. And she knew she was unclean. 
Nobody had to convince her she was a sinner. Nobody had to tell her, you ought to go meet where Jesus is. There's a free hot dog for you, and you'll feel good. Nobody said that. When she found out Jesus was in that house, she wasn't looking for anything but mercy. She knew she was unclean. She didn't know what else to do. She didn't know what else to say, where else to go. So in all her broken hours that she had accumulated the tears that ran down her cheeks, now there was one who, one near her by who all accounts had the power and the authority unlike any other. A man, the only man that had ever had the power to forgive sin. And just maybe, just maybe, he could change the circumstance of her life. Maybe this was the opportunity that had eluded her her entire life. Maybe this was the day when everything became brand new so she could either entrust that little tear bottle, amen, that she had kept her whole life or she could pour them out on the feet of Jesus and she could trust in him. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. She could either do what everybody else was doing or she could launch out and she could trust Jesus. She could either stay with the security of her tear bottle or she could let it go and she could trust in Jesus. And here she comes up behind him and she takes that little bottle and she dumps it on his feet. In other words, what she was saying was, this is all I've got and I just poured it out. Jesus, if you don't save me, I won't be saved. If you don't give me eternal life, I won't have eternal life. I don't got nothing left. There is no plan B. Jesus, if you don't catch me, I'm going to fall. If you don't save me, I won't be saved. Her whole life she had held on to that tear bottle. And in a moment she made a desperate move by risking her cultural understanding of eternity, opening the top and pouring it upon the feet of Jesus and therefore risking everything, everything, everything in that moment that she might be saved. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. As long as Jesus is your second or third option and as long as you still have a plan B, amen, there is nothing that God can do for you until the moment you do like this sinner woman and you are willing to let go of the bar and fly out into the open hands of Jesus and say, my God and my Savior, if you don't catch me, I'm going to fall. If you don't save me, I'm going to be lost. If you you don't heal me, amen, I'm going to die sick. But I would to God there was somebody this morning that had the faith of this sinner woman that said, I'm going to open up these tears and I'm going to pour them on your feet. I'm going to let you have every heartbreak. I'm going to let you have every disappointment. Come on, somebody go ahead and give him praise. Hallelujah. 
Oh, thank you, Jesus. And this little woman said, no way. I'm not walking out of here the same way that I've come in. And she poured out her accumulated efforts. And now it was all up to Jesus. But let me tell you something. Jesus never drops somebody who throws everything else away. Let me say that again. Jesus never drops anybody that throws everything else away. If you're trying to reach to him with something else in your hand, he may not be able to catch you because you have nothing to hold on to him with. But the moment you're willing to let go and reach out to him, Jesus has never dropped anybody who dropped everything reaching for him because when Jesus is all you have, Jesus is all that you need. Come on, somebody give him high praise this morning. The Bible tells about another woman, a woman with an issue of blood who had tried everything. She had visited every doctor she could find. She had investigated every purported cure of her time. She had tried every home remedy, and she had exhausted every other option. And for all of that, for spending every dime she had and exhausting every bit of confidence and trust that she had in her life, she was none the better. She found herself weaker on that day than when it had all started. And honest evaluations of her said that she was probably sicker on the end day than she was on the beginning of this day. Most scientists and physicians tell us looking back at this woman's story that she suffered with severe endometriosis. It was incurable, especially in that time. It was a brutal disease that she had. But the Bible says that one day she had heard that Jesus was coming by her way. I said she heard Jesus was coming by her way. Amen. It wasn't through a Facebook post. It wasn't through an Instagram. It wasn't through Twitter. It wasn't through the radio. It wasn't through a newspaper. But it was noised abroad that Jesus was coming by her house. And when she heard that Jesus was coming by her house, she came crawling and pushing her way to Jesus. And she said, I'll choose him over everything else. I'll abandon all the medical advice. If I can just touch him, if he doesn't heal me, I'm a dead woman. If Jesus doesn't fix this, no one can. It's either Jesus or nothing. I'm taking my tear bottle and I'm emptying it on Jesus. And that emaciated frail little woman fought her way through the crowd. Fought her way through difficulties. And the Bible said immediately when she touched him, virtue went out of Jesus. Virtue went out of Jesus. The Bible lets us know she poured out all her hope on him. She poured out all her hope on him. 
when she touched him. She risked the criticism. She risked the rejection. And she said, I'm getting to him. And on hands and knees, she fought her way to get to touch the hem of his garment. And when she poured it out on him, she discovered that when you let go of what you have, suspended somewhere between where she was and where he is, she felt the strong grip of a carpenter's hand as he caught her just in time. And you know what else this woman discovered? Jesus will never let you down. Because the Bible said that virtue went out of Jesus. See, the word virtue in the Greek is the Greek word dunamis. And the word dunamis means the inherent power or ability residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. In other words, the dunamis of a cheetah is what? Speed. Cheetah is not a powerful animal. It's a fast animal. So the dunamis of a cheetah is its speed. When you ask a cheetah for speed, that's what he'll give you because that's what's in him. The dunamis of an elephant is strength and power. And when you ask an element, elephant for power, he's going to give it to you without a problem because it's in him. But you won't get strength out of an elephant or out of a, out of a cheetah and you won't get speed out of an elephant because only what is in it can come out of it. I said only what is residing in a thing can be released out of it. Would you like virtue from Jesus today because it's in him? Do you need healing today? No problem. It's easily provided because he's a healer. It's in him. It's in his nature. You need a miracle. It's the dunamis of Jesus. It resides in him. Do you need a breakthrough? It's the dunamis of Jesus. It's there. All you got to do is reach out. Do you need salvation this morning? He's a saving God. You need deliverance? He provides that. It's already in him. You need to answers to life's questions? All you got to do is ask. It's in him. It resides in him. You see, healing, saving, delivering, and answering is not what Jesus does. But that is what Jesus is. He is.
is a healer. He is a saver, savior. He is a deliverer. He is a way maker. He is my joy. He is my peace. He is my hope. He's the God of my salvation this morning. Somebody ought to hear me today. You need to let go and reach out to Jesus. When she threw, when she threw everything else away, when she threw everything else away, who Jesus is came shining out. When she touched Jesus, his instant reaction was this, who touched me? The disciples thinking Jesus was having a heat stroke or something, frustrated with him, said, what do you mean who touched you? There are thousands of people that are touching you. And he said, no, somebody hath touched me. For I felt virtue. I felt who I am. I felt what I have. I felt what I can do. I felt it go out of me. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You see, there was a lot of people that were touching Jesus. The problem was they still had one hand over here trying to touch him with an open hand. They still had the lid on their bottle of tears, but it's only in the moment you're willing to let go with both hands and you're willing to pour out the bottle. That tells me there were thousands of people that had a plan B waiting at home. There were thousands of people with a lid still on their bottle. There was thousands of people who were still holding on to the trapeze. But there was one little woman who poured it out, who let go. And when she did, there was a miracle. Bible also tells of a woman who was taken in the very act of adultery and she had no other option. The religious powers of that day asked Jesus a question about her and they simply said this. They said the law of Moses declares that she should die but what do you say? What do you say Jesus? Should we kill her like the law says or should we let her go? We're going to give you the final say. There was no court of appeals. There was no Supreme Court. There was no governor's stay of execution. They said, we're putting it in your court. She had no defense. No one to testify on her behalf. She was guilty as the day is long. She was caught in the very act. No excuse 
about how she was brought up would work now. No excuse about mama not kissing enough and daddy not hugging enough. No excuses about social and economical disadvantages. None of that to be heard. The only thing was that she was caught, she's guilty, and she should die. But we're gonna let you, Jesus, we're gonna let you decide whether or not, amen, that, that she is going to live or she's going to die. All she could do was to throw herself on the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. She had nothing else to hold on to. There was not a drop of tears left in her bottle because she was looking at Jesus declaring, if you don't save me, I'm a goner. If you don't have mercy on me, there's no hope left. If you don't show me favor, I'm dead before the sunrise. Here I come, Jesus. Here I come, I'm letting go. I'm throwing away my tear bottle. I'm letting go of the bar. It's you or nothing, Jesus. If you don't save me, I won't be saved. If you don't intervene, I'm surely gonna die. But look at the answer he gave her. Look at the answer he gave her as she released and was hanging in the air suspended between where she was and where she wanted to go. The answer that Jesus gave her as his hands embraced hers was, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Hallelujah, I feel the power of God in this place right now. He said, they may condemn you, but I don't. They may want to kill you, but I won't. If you're willing to let go of everything else, I'm willing to rescue from you from it all. I wonder if there's anybody this morning that says, I've been trying to do life on my own. I've been trying to fix it myself. I've been trying to work it out myself, but today I'm letting go. I'm pouring out the tears. I'm reaching out to Jesus. When I walk out of here, I want to be in the hands of the Lord. The thief on the cross, the thief on the cross was out of tears. Already, already nailed to the cross. There was no plan B. He is condemned. He is going to certainly die in a very short time. He's suffering. He's dying. He is at his last hours. But he also can make one last appeal. Hallelujah. And he doesn't appeal to Pilate. He doesn't appeal to Herod. He doesn't appeal to the religious attorneys or the lawyers of that day but stretched out upon his cross to the side of Jesus. He lifts up his voice and he says these words. Remember me today when you come to your kingdom. Because if you don't save me, I'm out of time. And if you don't save me, I'm out of ideas. And if you don't save me, Jesus, I'm out of solutions. If you don't save me, Jesus, I'm out of answers. I'm placing all my confidence in you hanging on this cross. I'm placing all my 
hope and my expectations and all my faith in you and you alone. But Jesus never drops anybody who's willing to pour out their tear bottle. And the response of Jesus was, this day you will be with me in paradise. Don't worry, son, I'll catch you. Don't worry, son, I'll get you. Don't be afraid to let go because I can still reach you. Oh, come on, lift those hands to the Lord. If you believe that, say, God, catch me. God, catch me this morning. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I can see it now as that thief in his last moments on this earth hears the words of comfort and conciliation from God as he reaches out and says, save me. And Jesus says, no problem because that's who I am and that's what I do. Jesus didn't say I need a prayer room. Jesus didn't say I need a church service. Jesus said, salvation, that's who I am. It's my dunamis. It flows out of me. That's what I do. And he says, yeah, you'll be with me today. You'll be with me today. And Jesus said, thank you for letting go of your sin and your guilt, son. Because you were able to let go, I'm able to hold on. Because you were willing to pour out, I'm able now to fill up. Because as long as you're trying to fix it on your own, you're going to keep dealing with the same issues you've always dealt with. But when you're willing to let go, When you're willing to release, he's willing to reach out. Say, but what if he don't catch me? Are you kidding me? He ain't never dropped anybody. He ain't never dropped anybody. But I've, but I've been holding on to this. for That's your problem. You've been holding on. You've been holding on to that pain. You've been holding on to that rejection. Listen to me this morning. You've been holding on to that abuse. You've been holding on to that violation. You've been holding on to that anger and that unforgiveness. You've been holding on to it till your white, your knuckles are white. And Jesus is here this morning swinging into the picture saying, if you'll just let go, I'm going to catch you. I'm going to hold you and I'm going to bring you from where you were to where I am. It's not the fear of letting go sometimes. It's the greater fear of not being caught. Jesus said, you ain't got to worry about that. He said, my arm is not short. He says, my hands are not weak. We used to sing the song, there's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. Let me say it like this. There's room in the hands of Christ for you. 
Though millions have let go and been caught, there's still room for you today if you're willing to empty out the bottle. I want to invite somebody today. In a few moments, I'm going to open these altars and I wonder if there's anybody today that's going to be willing to pour out their tear bottle at his feet. What have you been holding on to that isn't worthy of your trust? Who have you been holding on to that isn't worthy of your confidence? What have you been trusting in that hasn't helped you so far? And are you willing to let go and to let Jesus catch you in that moment? What does your tear bottle look like? Is it a religious tradition? Is it a family pattern? Is it a generational heritage? Is it a closely, closely held idea or concept? Is it an accumulation of your best works and your best efforts that has been captured into a bottle? Or whatever it is, you've got to be willing to pour it out at his feet today. Because Jesus has got to be the answer that you're looking for. I'm going to tell you today, no matter what it is that you have in that tear bottle, if you don't pour it all out, he can't help. And whatever you're holding on to, if you don't let it go, he's limited in his reach. Would you stand with me? You got to let it go. You, you can't hold on to it just in case this Jesus thing doesn't work out. Your tear bottle will never do for you what Jesus can do for you. If you are willing to let go, you're going to be another testimony of the mercy of God. So let me challenge you this morning. Go ahead. Swing out there as far as you can and let go because he never drops anybody who lets go of their security to pursue him. So go ahead. Go ahead this morning and reach out for Jesus with everything you have. He'll never leave you bleeding on the dusty streets of life for anyone that will touch him. Go ahead and trust him. He never stands by Why? while a repentant sinner is being stoned for his or her mistakes. Go ahead and trust in Jesus this morning because he doesn't turn away from a sincere prayer even when it comes from a cross, from a thief on a cross beside him. Go ahead and empty out your tear bottle this morning because Jesus is the only one that can save. Jesus is the only one that can heal. Jesus is the only one that can redeem. And you can leave here with confidence today saying if Jesus is all I have then Jesus is all that I'll ever need. Come on, lift those hands and voices to the Lord right now. He's moving in this place. He's moving in this place. Come on, I'm about to open these altars right now. I'm about to open these altars for somebody who's not afraid. Amen. To say, I'm going to let go. 
I'm letting go of all my ideas and my perceptions. I'm letting go of my own security. I'm emptying out my tear bottle today because I don't want to leave here with what I've come with. I don't want to leave here with what I have in my hands right now. I want to let go. I'm going to grab on with everything I have. And I promise you, you're going to find out. You're going to find out that when Jesus is all you have, he's all you need. You're going to find out before you leave this place today that if you'll reach out to him, he'll never drop you. If you'll reach out and touch him, he'll always heal you. Come on, he's moving right now. Is there anybody that's willing to move out of their chair right now and come to this front saying, I'm emptying out my bottle of tears. I'm letting go of the bar. I'm letting go and I'm going to grab a hold of Jesus with everything I have. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to put my confidence in him. I'm letting go. I'm letting go of where I am. I'm letting go of what I am. I'm going to tap into the dunamis of God. That virtue released out of him for my healing. That virtue released out of him for my peace. Do you need peace today? Do you need comfort today? Do you need salvation today? Do you need deliverance today? Whatever you need, it's in this place right now. Just reach out. Reach out. Reach out with reckless abandon. Reach out with all confidence. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.